of a life as a pastor is that many couples will ask me to perform their marriage ceremony. And so I get the privilege of being a part of that special celebration of the love that they have for one another as they're going to publicly profess that love and their faithfulness to each other. Do you like weddings? Do you like to attend weddings? Maybe it is the, the worship atmosphere that you get to enjoy. Maybe it's the, the party and the celebration, the reception that happens afterwards. Maybe that's what you look forward to. Maybe it's the, the opportunity for some destination travel sometimes, the fun family traditions that take place at a wedding. And maybe for you, maybe your feelings about attending weddings aren't so fond. That's okay too. Uh, probably depends on the relationship that you have with the bride and groom, uh, their families, uh, the others that are part of the bridal party, how close you are to them. That maybe changes the way that you, you feel about going to a wedding and, and that celebration. But I think for all of us, things that I've heard from others, there's one thing that everyone enjoys as part of a, a wedding. And I usually don't get to see it from my vantage point. But I think the one thing that everyone loves to take in, to enjoy as they are attending at a wedding is to watch the groom's face as his bride walks in. And maybe on that face, maybe at first there's some some nerves that you can see, some, some deep breaths that he takes. But then as his beautiful bride, as those doors are opened or as she turns the corner and walks into the venue, comes down into the aisle of the church, then on that face you see pure joy. This unbridled love. The kind of love that is willing to do anything and everything for his bride, for his wife. And you can see the same thing on her face, right? And in that moment, everything seems perfect. For every single step of her walk down that aisle to to meet her groom, everything's exactly where it should be. The shoes are shined, every button buttoned up, right? dress looks perfect, amazing, the tie. And in that moment, as they look at each other with that kind of love in their eyes, in that moment, it's perfect. It's all beautiful. It's all beautiful in that moment, right? But marriage is made of many, many moments. If you're taking notes this morning, that's the first thing I have you write down. Marriage is made of many moments. And not every moment is as perfect and as beautiful as that moment, right? There are all kinds of moments. There are moments of exhilaration. There are moments of challenge and frustration. There are moments of joy and laughter. There are moments of sadness There are moments of anger. There are moments 
of fun and an excitement. There are moments of confusion. (laughs) And everything in between. Marriage is made of many moments. There are moments that build a marriage relationship, and there are moments that, that tear at it, tear it down. And so if you are married, then you want more moments that build your marriage rather than those moments that tear it down. In fact, you would like to avoid all the moments that might tear it down. You'd like to avoid them altogether. And so many of us, we will read books, we'll attend seminars, we will invest time and money and effort and energy into counseling sessions with professionals so that we can have more building moments and fewer tearing moments. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul gives us a secret formula for how to have a successful marriage relationship. And in fact, really, it's a secret formula for any relationship. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. To submit to one another is how you build a relationship. He places this as a heading that's actually over many different kinds of relationships that he's going to talk about, but the very first one that he addresses is the relationship between husbands and wives. And he says to submit to one another. To submit to one another is to voluntarily yield your preferences, your desires for the desires and the preferences of the other person. It is that act of love that is selfless. It is that kind of love that looks at the relationship and doesn't look at it to seek what you might get out of that relationship, but seeks what you can invest into that relationship, invest into that person. And when both people are doing that, when both people are investing in each other, it is a beautiful thing. Or as we talk about this, it's important to understand that biblical submission is always voluntary. It isn't one person in the relationship imposing submission, demanding submission from another, it is always voluntary and it is always done out of reverence for Christ. And this submission that is done out of reverence for Christ, it can take on many different forms in many different types of relationships. And that's why the Apostle Paul shares words that are specific to husbands and wives. Because men and women, we are different. Men and women behave differently. We process our emotions and our struggles differently. We value different things, and we value things differently. And so Paul says this, he says to wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And then to husbands, specifically, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
And then he summarizes both at the very end of this section when he says, each one of you also, this is to husbands, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Submission in marriage is about love and respect. And so for all of us here, all of us who are married, who have been married, who have plans for marriage in your future, all of us can take these words and we can use them to self-inspect. We can use them to evaluate ourselves and to consider our own relationships, both past, present, and future. Husbands, do you always love your wives with the kind of love that wraps them in security? Wives, do you always show that respect and that honor to your husband, that respect on which he thrives? If you're a single person and, and you think about marriage in your future, are you looking at that and are you anticipating it? Are you excited about the opportunity to submit to the other person out of love for Christ, out of reverence for Christ? Or do you desire that relationship for other motives? For self-seeking satisfaction? Is your default activity in any relationship that you have, is your default activity to submit to the other person in love? And to submit to another person, that's hard. That's, that's difficult for us and our hearts. And so often, we fail. And it is the times when we fail to submit to the other person, it is those times that are the moments that tear down rather than build. So thank God that Paul discusses more than just human marriage here in this section. Thank God that Paul also described something far more profound. He described the marriage between Christ and his church. And you notice how in this section, Paul puts these very practical applications that he's giving, these practical steps that he's giving the husbands and wives for how to love each other, how to live in that marriage. He places them immediately in the context of the kingdom of Christ. He says, out of reverence for Christ. And so this practical relationship advice that the Apostle Paul gives, it is connected to the fact that we know a greater hope. This greater hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so before we make the steps to put into practice these words that Paul is giving us, these instructions that he has for us, before we put them into practice, we can marvel as we look at the way in which Jesus carried these out. Because the picture of marriage beautifully illustrates the love that Jesus has demonstrated to his church. So Paul says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. 
And he says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And dear friends, you are the church. Every single believer who puts their faith and trust in Christ is the church. Is that beautiful bride of Jesus. And so if you are a husband who struggles to love your wife sacrificially and selflessly, know that Christ gave up his life as a sacrifice for you. And you, if you are a wife who struggles to respect and, and honor her husband, know the incredible honor that Christ has shown you, that Christ has cleansed you and washed you clean. If you are a single person and you've been drawn by your passions into some dark places and dark relationships, then know that Christ presents you as radiant without blemish. If you are a, a child who struggles to show honor and respect to your parents, know that Christ has made you holy and blameless in his blood. Christ presents his church as holy and blameless, and he offers this cleansing to all of us. He makes his church holy and blameless in baptism. It is in and through that gracious washing by the word that we are cleansed, we are made clean, we are purified. And in our failings to follow God's commands, we were hideous. We were ugly by nature, but Christ laid aside his life, poured out his blood to cleanse us and make us holy. We were marred and blemished, but Christ purified us so that he could present us to himself. And how? Radiant. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. On her wedding day, a bride wants to be perfect. Every lock of hair in exactly the right place. No wrinkles in the dress. Every button buttoned, every zipper zipped, everything perfect. The flowers, the makeup, the boutonniere, the tie, the shoes, everything perfect. But no amount of makeup could cover the blemishes on our heart. No amount of detergent could take out the stains that are on our lives. We couldn't do that on our own, but Jesus Christ cleansed us. Jesus Christ washed us clean through his blood. And Paul says that it is a profound mystery because God has declared you to be one with him, to be the radiant bride of Christ. And in that moment, that moment when the bride 
sees her groom. And the groom sees her bride. That moment when Christ sees his church, this perfect heavenly groom sees his now washed, cleansed, and holy bride, that moment is not a mere moment. It lasts for eternity. And it is the love of Christ and the greater hope that we have in Christ that allows us to live well in all the moments of our marriages. So Christ's love equips you and enables you to practice submitting to one another out of love for Christ. The key encouragement that is given to wives is to respect their husbands. Wives, to show that, that honor and respect to your husband because he needs it. He thrives upon it. Your honor, your respect can lift him up in ways that no one and nothing else can. So respect him. Respect him in public. Don't shame him. Don't embarrass him. When, when you point out his flaws, do so only out of love out of a desire to see him grow and, and mature as a husband and as a father and as a man. Wives, respect your husbands. And husbands, as you look at the words that Paul writes, there's three different concepts that we can highlight from what Paul says. He says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Now, those three principles are that husbands are called to provide, to protect, and to cherish their wives. Husbands are called to provide for your wives. You are to take the lead in being the provider, to feed and nourish your wives and your children just as you feed and nourish your own body. This is a call for men to be active and not passive when it comes to providing for their families. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the husband has to be the one to have a job that's earning money outside the home. That, that's not the point, but that the husband is actively making sure his family is provided for. His wife is taken care of. There's many different ways that that can happen. The next principle that Paul gives us is to protect. Husbands, to be ready to lay down your life for your wife, to lay down your life for your children. And it seems that in our culture and in our society, we've kind of missed this, this idea of protection. We've missed the reason why God has created men with strength, one pastor I heard said it this way, it's like we, men, don't know what to do with our strength. We either become violent, overbearing, and abusive, or we become passive and effeminate. The truth is that we are to be strong, but controlled, focused, and channeled. On our world, there is confusion and abandonment of this role of protector. 30% of women over the age of 15 have experienced violence from an intimate partner. In the United States, every 20 minutes, someone is a victim of physical abuse by an by intimate partner. 
It's the disease of sin, this rebellion against God's created order that's caused these horrendous acts. But physical abuse has no place among the men that God has called to be men and the men that God has called to be husbands and fathers. You are to protect your family. And the last one is to cherish your wife. To love her with the love of Christ. To love her in a way that she knows how precious she is to you. When you look at your wife, recognize that mystery that Paul talks about, that she is your own body, that she is one with you, and that she is also part of Christ's body. Cherish your wives. And finally, one thing that I want to share with you is that both husbands and wives, another way in which you can submit to one another, show that love out of reverence for Christ, is to pray. Both husbands and wives are invited to pray, to come before God together, to come before God with your struggles, with your challenges, to come before God for each other. When you recognize the challenges and struggles that your spouse has, to bring those before God, to ask God to lift up and encourage and strengthen so that you may love one another well. And it'll bring blessings for the entire family because strong marriages build strong families. So husbands and fathers, I want you to look at your bride, to look at your children with that look of unbridled joy, of incredible love, to look at them and recognize that they are part of the body of Christ and to love them with the love of Christ. Wives, Look at your husbands as part of the body of Christ. It'll lead you to show that respect and honor to them. Recognize that they have been made strong through Jesus. Husbands, as you look at your wives, recognize that they are holy and blameless through the blood of Christ. As you look at your children, that they have been washed clean in the blood of Christ and love them well. In every moment, Let us all remember what Jesus, our heavenly groom, has done for us, the members of his church, the bride that he has made beautiful in his own blood.